Good morning, Trinity Alliance. I am thrilled to be able to join you this morning um, through the amazing technology of Zoom. Um, your pastor, Pastor uh, Brian, had the great idea of having me do this, and so I hope that um, I hope it's interesting. I hope it's educational, and I really hope to be able to meet all of you tonight um, at the at the gathering this evening. My name is Marilyn Westergren. My husband and I have been missionaries in Spain for 27 years with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I, before I do anything, I want to thank you for your partnership in uh, supporting the Christian Missionary Alliance missionaries all over the world. It is because of your faithful, sacrificial giving that we are able to focus on what God has called us to do in Spain without interruption. We know that um, we can focus for four years on the ministries that God has called us to because people like you faithfully give month after month, year after year to keep us there. And uh, the kingdom of God is growing around the world because of you. And so thank you for that. We really take seriously how we use every dollar to make it um, have as much kingdom impact as possible. So I trust that we will continue in that kind of relationship. Uh, in the years that uh, come are coming our way. So um, I want to share a PowerPoint with you. So I need to do a screen share. And, uh, and then we'll get started. Let's pray briefly. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence um, in all times, in all places, and that your spirit is always at work in us. And through us, and I pray this morning, Lord, that you would take my words and use them, apply them as you will. Give all of us uh, a disposition, a desire to be available to you, to be used by you, to be shaped by you, um, and to reflect you and your presence and your love and your power in our lives. And so we give this time to you, Lord. May it bring you glory. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The word all is teeny tiny, isn't it? Just three letters uh, that seem at first glance maybe insignificant, but really they're very powerful. It's a powerful word. Um, there are a lot of words that have the prefix all in front of them, all inclusive, all powerful, all knowing. Um, those are big, big words. And in fact, there is a detergent that has called itself all or the company called it all. And this is one of the um, uh, one of the taglines that they used in their advertising. And it says this, when you choose all, you believe in letting kids be kids and not just in the playroom or in the basement, but outside where they can jump into mud puddles, dig down to China with their bare hands and slide headfirst into second base. You are the all-capable, all-confident, all-family, and we are your detergent. Wow. Just imagine if you were to use all detergent, your family would become all-capable and all-confident. Isn't that amazing? But we, uh, we know that really when you're referring to human beings, all mm, rarely happens, right? Rarely are we always consistent. In fact, uh, Tim and I, in the marriage premarital counseling that we do oftentimes in Spain, we encourage couples not to use the words always or never, that you always do this or you never do that. Because in, in reality, it's pretty unfair. None of us are consistent enough 
to always do something or never do something else. But when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we know that he really is consistent and he is the one person we can use that huge word all uh, about when we refer to him. And Jesus in one of, uh, in a passage of scripture, uh, used the word all uh, repeatedly. And I want to just quickly look at that today and give you some examples of its application in our ministry in Spain. Let's look at this passage, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is because of the alls found in the Great Commission that I can boldly say that every Christ follower must confidently make disciples no matter where you are or what your circumstances may be. You know, a hallmark of Alliance Missions is that our family of churches, you included, takes time every year to emphasize missions. And this year's theme is a callback to our vision statement for the Christian Missionary Alliance, all of Jesus for all the world. It's a callback to the basics of what Jesus is about in this world and how we must participate in that activity. When we look at the Great Commission, we see the word all show up four times for four very important reasons. And I think you know that a basic principle of Bible study is when a word or a phrase is repeated over and over again in a passage, we, it's an indication that we need to take a special attention, pay attention to that those words or that phrase. And we see here that it is repeated four times. Jesus himself says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the days. When he says, all power has been given to me or all authority, he is saying that nothing can thwart his power as he accomplishes his purposes in the world. We cannot fail in this mission because we carry Christ's credentials. We are his children purchased through his blood and his authority rests on our shoulders now. His power is, is, uh, rests in us because his spirit indwells us. And so we can, be, uh, we can move forward with confidence because we too are bearers of that authority and that power. It's tempting for us to focus our attention on the circumstances and problems of today and lose hope. I, remember, I know that my parents, when I was younger, I would overhear them talking and they would say, life has never been worse than it is now. It is so complicated. Surely the Lord is coming soon. And I heard my grandparents say the same thing to my parents. Um, and, and it's tempting for us to say the same thing now, that life couldn't be any worse than it is. Uh, and, and Christ will surely come back soon. 
But God often uses flawed people to accomplish his purposes in the world. And he also tends to move people around to accomplish those purposes. He wants to use problems and uh, uh, our discomfort in order to show manifest his power that much more. He also, I think it's kind of like um, when we as parents or adults are training children, we often give them tasks to do that we could maybe do better. Um, but we want to experience the joy of seeing them grow and develop. Sometimes there's a closer relationship that's developed because we have an opportunity to teach them, uh, to show them the ropes. Sometimes it creates a, a closer relationship of trust because they realize that we maybe are stronger or more knowledgeable in a certain area. There are so many side benefits to, to giving children a growing degree of responsibility, a growing degree of challenges and, um, and experiences, isn't it? And I think that that's true too with our Heavenly Father, that he chooses to include us in accomplishing his purposes in the world so that we can depend on him more, we can experience uh, the joy of growth, of growing faith and, and seeing answers to prayer. I want to give you just a quick example of um, two women that God moved around in order to accomplish his purposes. The woman on the left is Elena. She is a Spanish uh, young woman. She, as a, as a young adult, was having a hard time finding a job in Spain. And so she moved to the Netherlands in order to find work. Um, while there, of course, she learned Dutch. Her job ended up uh, disappearing after a couple of years. And so she had to move back to Spain, move back home with her mother uh, and things didn't go well. She had been abused as uh, by her father's hands as a young girl, again, at the hands of the father of her child and her life, uh, her hard life had left many scars on her, on her soul. One day she was out at the park with her son and overheard the woman on the right, speaking Dutch to her children at the park. Damaris was a member of our church who had come because her husband was hired as an aerospace engineer in a business in Tres Cantos. And um, Elena overheard Damaris speaking Dutch. They struck up a conversation, became fast friends, and Damaris quickly realized that Elena was lost, that she uh, did not know the Lord. And Damaris began testifying to Elena. Elena eventually trusted her life to the Lord and was baptized um, just a couple of years ago in the mountains outside of Madrid. Elena continues to grow in her faith and is being discipled by another woman who the Lord moved from Chile to Spain um, with a desire to reach her own extended relatives who, uh, who were Spaniards living in Spain still. And so here the Lord used Elena's uh, going to the Netherlands in order to find a job, moving back to Spain, Damaris moving to Spain because her husband had a job there, uh, and then Janet moving from Chile to Spain. Janet, who had lived a similar experience, was very strong in the Lord and was able to disciple Elena to the point of being ready to be baptized. God uses all kinds of circumstances in our lives, good and bad, um, in order to reach us with his love. 
and his redemption. A second uh, use of the word all in the passage that we're looking at is that uh, in the Great Commission, he says that he wants us to go to all peoples or all nations of the world and bring the gospel to them. God calls us to all people, not just the people we happen to like, not the people who are the same color as we are, not the people who are same socioeconomic uh, status as we are, but he asks us to go to all people because all people are image bearers. All people matter to God. And his passion is to reach all people and use us to do that. But it requires real committed disciples in order to do that. We still live in that great commission age and it's the same person, Jesus, with the same purpose. But what ministry looks like is different. Um, our world is a world in need. Not everyone has equal access to the gospel. In fact, there are 4,000 people groups that have little or no opportunity to know Jesus. There are 3.4 billion out of the 71.1 billion people on the globe. 3.4 billion are still considered unreached. If you look at this um, graph, the red part of the circle are the numbers, the percentage of people that have no access to the gospel. The yellow part is low access, and then the green part is high access. And if you look at this map of the world, it um, shows where those populations lie primarily. And in the Christian Missionary Alliance, 80% um, of our international workers live and work in that area of the world that has little or no access to the gospel. And if you look in the top corner, just above Africa, Spain is included in that 1040 window or in that part of the world where 80% of our workers are located and um, spending their time and their energy in trying to grow the kingdom. So some people say, why Spain? Spain is traditionally a Catholic nation and does have a Bible in its language. There's freedom of religion in Spain. And mm, there are still quite a few people who say that they are culturally Catholic, at least. Um, but the Spanish, the reality of history and how history has left its mark uh, still influences uh, the church today in Spain. I'm not gonna go into great detail, a huge history lesson, but I just wanna, with some broad strokes, help you understand our current climate and our, our current spiritual climate in Spain. Political and social unrest had been roiling under the surface for decades when in 1936, civil war broke out between the far right nationalists and the far left socialists. There was three years of civil war, intense bloodshed, famine, uh, heartache. After three years of that civil war, Francisco Franco took over as the far right military dictator in Spain, which was in 1939. Franco's government was closely tied to the Catholic Church. So you can see here uh, the leader of the Catholic Church is next to Franco in a salute that looks very much like Hitler. Franco was an admirer of Hitler and his power and copied much of his um, philosophies or values. Franco died in 1975, but had been grooming this man the son of the exiled king of Spain, 
This is Juan Carlos I, Juan Carlos I. And he was uh, groomed by Franco to take over when Franco died. Franco died in 1975. The King Juan Carlos uh, took over power, but very quickly decided or declared that Spain would become a democracy. He willingly, voluntarily gave up his power, his control over Spain, because he was convinced that a democracy would be a much healthier um, political climate for his people. So in 1975, less than 50 years ago, Spain gained her freedom for democracy, but also to worship as she liked, but also Spain flung its doors wide open to um, all of the social ills that the rest of the world had to offer. So the pendulum swung from a country of being tightly controlled and told how to worship, where to worship, who to worship, and it was given freedom to choose as it liked. And you can only imagine that the pendulum has swung far, far, far in the opposite direction, and I think it still continues to swing. Many Spaniards are highly critical of the Catholic Church, and they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We have some friends who say to us, uh, if I don't believe in what I've always been taught is the true church, why would I ever go to yours? Or they would say, if there is a God, and I really don't think there is, I want nothing to do with him, and I don't think he really wants anything to do with me. So there is a deep mistrust of organized religion among, I think, the vast majority of Spaniards. And uh, if you go into a Catholic church today, uh, very few of them have a high number of people attending them. We need to understand that Spaniards are wounded. They're spiritually wounded and uh, leery of people who come uh, with religiosity or with religion in order to try to change them or convince them that there's something that they need to do. And so, well, wait, let me um, first say this, that a person in Spain, a truth seeker, who wants to understand more about what the Bible has to say or understand who Jesus is, they would have to approach 795 Spaniards in order to find one believer. In Spain, there are 8,124 towns, and only 92% of these towns, sorry, 92% of these towns do not have a single evangelical church. So 8% have an evangelical witness. These red dots represent cities of over a population of over 5,000 people without one single church in them at all. And so the reality in Spain is that the churches are empty, both Catholic and Protestant. And so uh, we need to develop ways to meet felt needs in our communities. We believe that we need to build bridges of trust. We need to serve the people who we are neighbors with, the people we care about, the parents of our children's friends. We need to serve them in order building to build bridges of trust that can bear the weight of truth. So how do we do that? What is the principal main felt need in Spain? It's a combination of two things. Because Spain was closed for 50 years, um, the level of English that's taught in schools or the level of English that the adults know is very, very low. And they realize that English is the business language of the world. 
that if they could speak good English, that would open doors of opportunity for their children. At the same time, the, the teaching methodology in Spain uh, still is lacking. Our children went to public schools or Spanish schools until they were uh, in the last three years of high school. And I very quickly saw that the emotional climate in the schools was uh, unsafe. The teachers would use uh, uh, criticism. They would compare the children to each other. So saying to the, to the children, the child who struggled, why can't you be like so-and-so? Or, um, you know, you're, you're so bad at that. Why can't you be like that person? Or they would, uh, so they would use comparison. They would belittle. They would insult. Um, even labeling people as stupid or ignorant or lazy. Uh, and so that created a great deal of insecurity. Children didn't feel safe to ask questions because the teacher would yell at them. Uh, the student who was lifted up on a pedestal was resented by the other students. So nobody wanted to be to excel in the classroom. And the student who struggled would feel smaller and smaller and smaller and want to give up. In fact, in the European Union, Spain has the highest uh, failure rate in the, in the public school system of any other European Union country because children just are discouraged before they even get to high school and feel like, why bother? Um, if they're not naturally brilliant, they don't stand a chance. So I saw our daughter, daughters suffering in the system and just the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, it doesn't have to be like this. And I began to pray and ask the Lord that, Father, if, if, it's, if it's your will, if this is something that you want to do in Spain, would you bring the people together to be able to start a Christian school there? Long story short, he did. And um, four years ago, we started the first Christian school for Spaniards called Life International School. And Three weeks before school was supposed to start, we only had one student enrolled. She was the child of our business keeper on the Spanish field. She's right in the middle. Vian is her name. And uh, we said to ourselves, "Should we do we wait for a year? Do we open? What do we do? And we said, we need to take a step of faith. And so we opened our doors uh, four years ago and asked, trusted God for 14 students by the end of the school year. Three weeks before school started, one student. When school started, we had seven students signed up. By the end of our first year, we had those 14 students at life school. Now, four years later, we've just um, finished our fourth year with preschool through sixth grade with 47 students. And we're trusting God for 60 students for our next school year. Uh, we will be going through seventh grade and each year adding a grade. But what has life meant for Spaniards? Because really our goal is to reach the lost through Christian education. Pablo, before he was six years old, had been kicked out of two preschools because of violent outbursts and disruptive behavior. Um, things were getting worse, uh, accelerating or intensifying. His outbursts were intensifying at school. And so myself as the school counselor and our director called his parents in to have a conversation with them. They were dreading the worst, but we said that we were committed to working together with them to try to find a solution that would be good for everyone. So I made some home visits to the home to see what kinds of um, uh, routines and discipline measures they used with him, what kind of limits he had. And then we came up with a plan together with his parents. And his mom said to me not long after that their family would have ended uh, in divorce if it hadn't been for life school. And I said to her, no, 
it is because of Christ's love reaching into your lives and um, his healing power that, that you have found hope and that you have found healing. She now meets with another Christian mom to pray together for their children. She reads the Bible out loud at night before bed that, that life gave to, um, gave to the family. And um, I believe that soon she will give her life to the Lord, that the, her husband will as well. And it's just one example of one small family that has been deeply impacted by Christ's love through this Christian school. There's one more all. Jesus says that we need to teach all that he has commanded. Everything we need to remain rooted in his great love and guided by his sacred mission has been placed in our hands to fulfill, to follow, and to teach to others. He wants us to be all in. I wonder sometimes what it would look like if we really were all in. What would it look like if we were more passionate about reaching the lost? What would it look like if we were more willing to say no to maybe the ice cream or the coffee, the great coffee that we get every day or Netflix or whatever other form of entertainment or small luxury that we allow ourselves? What if we were to give a bit more to missions to reach the lost? What if we were to give a bit more time to ministries in our church rather than spending as much time as we do on social media or on Netflix um, or shopping online? What would that look like? What kind of an impact could it have on the world if we really were all in and really were trying to bring all of Jesus to all of the lost? And there's an example of one family that it will soon be sent out by your district, by your family of churches here in the Northeast District. Walter, the man on the right, was raised in a non-Christian home. A woman, his neighbor, took interest in him and started inviting him to their church. He became a believer, decided to go to Houghton College, where he met Laura on the left. She was the child of the daughter of Alliance Missionaries in Brazil and was also attending Houghton. They studied education, uh, were teachers for a while in the public school system, went to Michigan for grad school. But their approach um, from the very beginning was to really be all in, to say, here am I, Lord. What do you want me to do? How can I serve you? And so when a ministry opportunity came up in their church, they would say, hey, we're willing to try it. We might not be gifted, but we're willing. If the door remained open, they would walk through and serve and learn and grow. If the door closed or somebody else had, was a better fit for that ministry, then they were fine with that and would let other people have that ministry. Walter's habit was to, from time to time, because they were open to taking even bigger steps of faith and maybe going overseas as missionaries, he would look on the, the Association of Christian Schools International website, ACSI, and he saw a posting as to, for the director of Life School, the position of director for Life School. Um, and so he said to his wife, huh, I wonder if maybe that would be something that I could do. She said, well, let's pray about it. So they started to pray about it. A couple of weeks later, Walter, who also had the habit of checking for ministry opportunities, and the webpage of the Christian Missionary Alliance saw the same opportunity listed there as director of life school in Tres Cantos, Spain. So I said to his wife, huh, do you think this is a coincidence? And she said, I think we need to start knocking on the doors. 
And so they spoke to the leaders at the Alliance. They spoke to the board of Life School and began the process of filling out the applications, the interviews. Long story short, we have hired Walter to be the new director at Life School so that our current director can be freed up to not only have one school, but our dream is to plant 20 schools in all of Spain. This is a family that had an all-in attitude. God, we are your children put on this earth to bless, to reach all people with all of who you are. And God gradually led them from Houghton College, public schools in Houghton, to Michigan, to life school. And so they're being sent out by, uh, by your family of churches from the, from the Northeast District. And so I encourage you to pray for Walter and Laura, for their children, Eliana and Zach. Um, and I want to tell you more about the birth of Life School, more about our dreams for the future, more about my call to missions. And so I invite you to come tonight uh, in order to hear more of what God is doing. These are not coincidences. These are not uh, chance happenings. These are things that God has orchestrated. And I believe that he is orchestrating things in your life as well. So I would be thrilled to have a conversation with you. There's one more passage I want to read. And it says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Unlike the bill of goods that the all, all commercial tries to sell us, that your family will be all capable and all confident if you use all detergent, we as Christ's followers truly can be all capable and all confident if we do love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. then we will truly be filling that great commission that the Lord has left in our hands. May the Lord bless you as you endeavor to serve him and to reach the lost.